0: Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and brings impact to your life. Enjoy the message. Delighted to be with you. Uh, Now, I know how this works. I've been doing this a while, and, and what you're supposed to do is read a text, give a title, pray, let everybody be seated, and then preach. But I'm nothing if not unpredictable. You can be seated. I'll get to my text and title in a little bit. There are some statements of contrast in God's kingdom which are striking to us. We they roll off our tongues so readily within the kingdom because we've gotten used to them. But I have to think sometimes that if we were unacquainted with the idea of living for God and the power of New Testament salvation, these statements would really not make much sense to us if we heard it through an earthly worldview. They're statements which on the surface seem kind of counterintuitive. They just don't make sense when you view them through natural eyes. For instance, a child of God can be among the poorest of the poor in this world, and we'll say that man's rich. Now, I I know you, you, you can visit the most remote village in a third world nation and locate someone there, a man who lives with nothing but rags to cover his body, living in a hut that would be condemned here. But we would maintain that if he's been born again of water and spirit, that's the richest man living in that country. And you know what? We're right. I know that just rolls off our tongue. And i you can't make it make sense on a balance sheet. And somebody that doesn't understand this would look at him and say, how can you call that man rich? But anybody agree with me that if your sins have been washed away today and you've been filled with the power of the Holy Ghost, you may never get listed in Forbes magazine, but you're the richest person living in this county. If you've been set free from sin and you're on your way to heaven, you're a rich man you're a rich woman. So you could be poor and still be rich. Or or we'll say things like, I have joy in times of sorrow. That doesn't make any sense from a human perspective to somebody who's never experienced it. There's no explanation of that truth. How can somebody endure the heartaches that life brings his or her way and with tears streaming down cheeks that have known far too many such rivers, leave the graveside of somebody that they loved and just said goodbye to and then walk into church the next Sunday and sing it is joy, unspeakable and full of glory. I can't make that make sense. If you've never tasted the power of the Holy Ghost and the experience of having God live in your life, I can't make it make sense to you, but I can tell you you that just because I can't explain it does not mean that it's not real. I tell you that in your deepest, darkest valley, there's still a joy of the Holy Ghost that comes that may not have an explanation, but it's real. It's real. It's real. Or We'll say things like "there's there's peace in the storm. Now, for somebody who's never walked this way before, they can't make sense of that. How can you experience the crashing waves of despair and the wind-lashed raindrops of chaos and the thundering echoes of failure and lift your hands and smile and say, peace peace. Wonderful peace. I can't make it make sense. I'll just tell you, don't ask me about the how, but I'd love to preach to you about the who, because there is somebody that rides in my boat that lives in my life that gives peace in the middle. I'm preaching now. Somebody may be living in the most chaotic moments of your life. There's still peace there if you know the peace speaker. See, I can't can't make sense of those things. They don't make sense, but there may be no contrast that so juxtaposes two conflicting ideas more than some words of Paul. You see, it doesn't take a rocket scientist, or as that one man kind of mixed his metaphors one day, I heard him say, it doesn't take a rocket surgeon to figure out this little exercise. Let's just have a group IQ test, okay? Okay. Don't worry. You can hide in the crowd. I mean, but it's pretty easy. What's the opposite of big? See, you guys are so good. Some of you were hesitant to answer. There's no trick questions, I promise. And and we recognize that something can't be big and small at the same time. That's that's just an impossibility. Or or what's the opposite of hot? You're so good. And, and, And you can't have something that's hot and cold at the same time. What's the opposite of short? You're doing so good. And and you can't look at something and it be short and tall at the same time. What's the opposite of strong? And you can't be weak and strong. Well, wait a minute. Because we might need to address the words of Paul, who in 2 Corinthians 12 and 10 says, Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses, in Christ's sake, for when I am weak, Then I am strong. I preached to somebody today that your strength is not only when you get through your valley. Your strength is not when you come through the trial. Your strength is not after it's over. Paul said, in your moment of weakness, when you're at the very bottom, when you feel like you've been beat up by hell and life and everything is against you, Paul said, you need to grab hold of this truth. In that moment of your weakness, right then, when you don't have any answers, When you don't have an answer, when you can't see your way out, when you don't know how it's going to come out yet, at that very moment, when you're at your weakest, Paul said, right then, you are strong. Uh And I know that doesn't make sense from a human perspective. And if you're a guest here, you may say, I don't even understand how that works. I could only tell you that my strength is not found in my own ability. And my strength isn't found in my own wisdom, and it's not found in my own ideas. When I am weak in me, I am strong in him. It's about who lives in me. When I have Christ in me, when I have eternity living in me, I have a source of strength that never takes a day off, that's never had a bad day, that never threw up his hands, and said, I don't know what to do when I lean on Christ it's not about how I feel it's about who lives in me it's not about what I'm going through it's about who lives in me it's not about whether or not I can figure it out it's about who lives in me because when I'm weak in my feelings I'm still strong in faith and when I'm I'm weak in my flesh I'm still strong in the spirit when I'm weak in my ability There is still an anointing that rests on our lives. Let me me take you to a moment in Israel's history. For years, I'm gonna read you a verse in a couple of minutes, but when we get to this verse, you need to understand that for years, there had been an ongoing war between the house of David and the house of Saul. Now, Saul was the first king of Israel, of course. And when Saul died, I'm all turned around. Is this south? love it when that happens praise god make me look so smart the southern part of the kingdom which was known as Judah when Saul died they anointed a king they anointed David they put a crown on his head in the city of Hebron and David had a general that was his his kind of his muscle his military might named Joab who was the captain of his host the problem of course was that in the northern end of the kingdom Abner who was the general the captain of Saul's host Abner decides that he's going to anoint Ishbosheth to be king and so he crowns Ishbosheth in the northern part of the kingdom so you've got Ishbosheth I practiced that at home Ishbosheth the king and Abner his general, and down here you've got David the king and, and Joab his general, and these two factions are at war for years. There's an ongoing skirmishes and battles between them. They're, it, it's, they're both in conflict, in, in, they're in this conflict for rule of the kingdom. Now we know the end of the story. We know God had anointed David. We know this is David's destiny. But at the time, both halves of the kingdom thought they were right, and there, there's conflict and tension and war and bloodshed. In fact, at one point, Joab and Abner, the two generals, meet to try to work out a solution. And even in that negotiation, they wind up coming to blows, and there's bloodshed. And in fact, Abner, in that in that conflict, kills Joab's brother in that thing. So now the general has a personal vendetta against him. Joab's angry because Abner slew his brother, and there's all this anger and angst and battle and bloodshed and weariness and fatigue and hurt till the day that Ishbosheth, the king falsely accuses Abner his general of a moral impropriety and Abner is so incensed he's so angry at being falsely accused that Abner journeys down to David and says David I will bring the entire army with me I'll bring the northern tribes with me we will all bow to you as king we'll leave Ishbosheth in the dust I'll unite this kingdom I'll bring everybody I can influence and we will come and bring it all and lay it at your feet now imagine how David feels in that moment finally my destiny is going to be reached. He remembers when Samuel poured oil on his head and told him God had chosen him to be king, and finally it's going to come to pass. Finally, it's going to be my turn. Finally, the war will be over. The conflict will be over. All the tension and unrest and danger will be over, and it will all come to me just like God's going to bless me. God's going to favor me. Everything is great. David's hopes are through the ceiling, and then as Abner leaves Joab hears that he's come and Joab stills angry at him for killing his brother and Joab chases him down as though he wants to talk with him, pulls him aside, takes a spear, a sword and sticks it under his fifth rib, severs his heart, kills him on the spot. And in that instant, all of David's hopes are dashed. The man who was going to bring him the kingdom, the man who was going to unify everybody behind him, the man who was going to solve his dead now, bleeding in the dust, and David's hopes have been dashed. Can you imagine the despair that's in his heart again? Now, how long? It's going to be another decade of conflict. There's going to be ongoing war. David is despondent. He's heartbroken. He's discouraged. All of the hope that he had has been dashed to the ground. And in that moment, after he has buried Abner, David makes a statement which is so unique to me. It's found in 2 Samuel 3 and verse 39. Can we throw that one up there, please? He says, look at that first line. He says, I am this day weak, though anointed king. David said, man, I was feeling good. I got up yesterday morning, everything was good, and now my hopes have been dashed, and I'm weak. Look at that line, I am this day weak, though anointed king. David cannot figure out why, if he is anointed king, why do I feel so weak? He's discouraged by that fact. If I'm anointed king, why do I feel this way? If, I, if I'm anointed king, why do I feel so despondent? If I'm anointed king, why is my hope gone? If I'm anointed king, why do I feel so weak? But see, I would like to go grab David by the ears and shake his head a moment and say, sir, you're reading it all wrong. What you need to be saying is I may be weak, but I'm still king. So you can't figure out it if your identity is this, why do you feel this way? But instead, you need to be encouraged. You might feel this way, but this is still your identity. If I'm a child of God, why am I discouraged? No, I may be discouraged, but I'm still a child of God. If I'm filled with the Holy Ghost, why am I sad? I may be sad, but I'm still filled with the Holy Ghost. you got to turn this thing around and say, I know who I am. And no matter how I feel, I'm still anointed. I may be weak, but I'm still anointed. Devil, you've got a problem. I may be discouraged, but I'm still anointed. I may be weak, but I'm still anointed. I may be sick, but I'm still anointed. I may be discouraged, but I know who I am. I'm a blood-washed, tongue-talking, Holy Ghost-filled child of God, and nothing I'm going through can change my identity. This, David, come on, man. Reach up and feel that thing. That's a crown on your head. You're not, you're, not the, you're not the local bum. Okay, I know you're weak. You go through that stuff even when you're king. But you're still king. What are you sucking your thumb for? Your royal thumb. Would you like your royal binky? I mean, you're sitting here telling me how bad it is. I just can't figure it out. If I'm a king, why am I? Well, I got news for you. Just because you're king doesn't mean you never go through a bad day. Listen to me a minute. We do grace a disservice. We do grace a disservice when we try to present this image that if you live for God, every day is just going to be cupcakes and bunnies. Hogwash, that's a Greek word. No, and and we do it. We, it's in some of the songs we sing. Pray for my wife, because I am terribly left-brained. I think if you did a CAT scan, like half my head is just empty. Just it's all left. Don't take a picture of that. Well, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm I'm kidding. (laughs) Just at the moment that I said that, lady said, I'm going to document that truth right there. I'm very left brain. I'm a linear analytical thinker. I can't help it. And it happens to me sometimes in song service, we'll be singing a song and I'll lean over her and say, that's not right. (laughs) To which she responds something on the order of, would you just worship? Just, just worship. I have a hard time. So, so like there's this song, we don't sing it as much as we used to. You'll still hear it. Some, you may do it. Our church does it, but, but, um, it's, it's that one about, I don't walk like I used to walk. He made a difference. I don't talk like I used to talk. He made a difference. It's a great song until you get to that second verse. The second verse says, he gives me joy that cannot be surpassed. I'm with you on that. Next line. Next line. I'm on a cloud from the first moment to the last. Wait, Wait a minute. I, if, I didn't get that memo. Okay, if that's what I'm supposed to, if I'm supposed to be on a cloud every moment of my walk with God, somebody lied to me because I've been living beneath my potential like about 8 or 10 feet because I'm in the cloud someday. Right? Or we can, we can go older. You want older? We used to sing this one. Ready? Every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. I know what we mean. I know, and theologically, and I I get it, I know, but there have been a few days I wanted to go back a few days because this one wasn't as sweet as the one last week before all hell broke loose in my life, right? We might as well be honest about this. You're going to go through some stuff, but you know what? I am every bit as much an ambassador for Christ on this day as I was on that day. I am still every bit as much the child of God on this day as I was on that day. How I feel does not change my identity. Man, somebody needs to square up with hell today and say, Look, you've been trying to convince me that just because I'm a little down right now, there's something wrong with me. I will tell you what's going on. I'm battling a trial, I'm battling a temptation, but I know who I am. I'm still a child of God. I've still been adopted by my father. I am a member of this kingdom of heaven. I'm still anointed. we, we got to stop this foolishness. We make new converts feel like a failure the first time they have a bad day. Well, I thought every day was going to be perfect. No. Some days are going to be ugly, but you're still saved. You're still blood washed. David, you got to get the focus on the other side of this equation. You can't figure out why you're weak. You ought to be rejoicing. You're still the king. I am blessed. I am a child of God. I am anointed. Can I tell you something? Do you know that the devil invented identity theft? Listen, that existed a long time before Al Gore invented the internet, okay? It goes way back before. Some of you are too young to even know what I said right there. It goes way back before that. Identity theft is a crazy thing in our technological world. I don't know if any of you have ever been victim of it. We had been married about, man, I don't know what, a couple of years maybe, and, I was, my wife worked at a bank. One week she worked, went in early, got off early. One week she went in late, got off late. This was her early week, so she was home. She called me at the church, and she said, Scott, we have a letter from a collection agency. Now, folks, we were so broke, we couldn't afford to owe anybody any money, okay? <laughs> we didn't owe anybody any a collection agency. I don't even understand. So I got home, opened it up, and sure enough, it's a collection agency in Evansville, Indiana. Called him up, got this lady on the phone. She said, uh, "Yeah, we've been contracted by the city of Carmi, Illinois. That's 16 miles from where I grew up. City of Carmi, Illinois, to collect past due utility bills for them." I said, "Man, I, I don't own any property anywhere, and I certainly have never owned property in Carmi, Illinois." She said, "Well, the lady that's handling your case is not here. She'll be here next week. You can call her back." And I thought, you know what? I got to find that. I'm not waiting a week. To talk to this lady. I'm gonna call Carmi. So I did what, again, all these young people won't even understand. I dialed 618-555-1212, and I asked for this, and I got this number, and I called the city of Carmi, and and I got the city hall, and the lady got on the phone, this absolute gospel truth. I said, hello, this is Scott Graham. She said, so there you are. I said, here I am. And so I explained what was going on. I said, I don't even know what this is about. She said, well, you owe us Gas bills on your movie theater. I said, ma'am, I don't know how to break this to you. Not only do I not own a movie theater, not only have I never owned a movie theater, I've never been in a movie theater in my life, okay? I don't know what to tell you. So we finally sorted around, and, and here was the grace of God. I said, have you met me? She said, absolutely. I said, what do I look like? She said, you're about 5'5, blonde, 145 pounds. I said, oh, thank God. I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send you a copy of my driver's license and I'm going to give you a week and then I'm going to have an attorney. And I couldn't afford an attorney, but anyway, uh, But they got it all. Clear. So this is fine. So we're three years later, we've moved. We're now living in Vandalia, Illinois. And, and three years later, my phone rings one I pick it up and says, the guy says, is this Scott Graham? I said, yes. He said, Mr. Graham, do you still own your movie theater? I said, no, sir, I got rid of that a few years ago. But somewhere out there on some database, unknown to the constituency of the United Pentecostal Church, no doubt, uh, I am apparently the owner of some movie theater somewhere, and, and I'm on some list, and I don't know how to get my name off that list. Now, here's my point in all that identity theft. We all talk about it down here, but can I explain to you, this existed a long time before our technological world made this stuff so crazy. I can show it to you. It started in heaven. Luke, Isaiah 14, verse 12. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? For thou said in thine heart, Satan, you said, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation of the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the cloud. I will be like the most high. Identity theft started when Satan decided he was going to try to steal God's identity. I want you to hear me right now. He's still doing it. He's trying to steal your identity. Listen, he does not want to steal your identity so that he can use it. He just wants to steal your identity so you won't. Because if you know who you are, you're not going to get discouraged when you go through a valley. You'll stand up on your feet and say, hell, you've got no part with me. I am washed in the blood of Christ, and by the name of Jesus, take your hand off my mind. Take your hand off my family. Take your hand off my kids. When you know who you are, you'll rise up and rebuke hell, and he has to flee from you. But needs to hear me, your identity is real. It does not change with how you're feeling. There's not a devil in hell that wants to mess with you. Not if you know who you are. No, no, no. You're the you are the you, you're the baddest spiritual thing on the planet. A Jesus name, Holy Ghost-filled child of God. Oh, brother Graham, you don't know me. I- came from a broken home and I graduated 45th in a class of 30. <laughs> if you don't know me, I, I don't have a talents. I don't have abilities. I'm just poor little me. I, I, nobody else in my family lives for God. See, the devil has stolen your identity. You're, you're going on how you feel instead of who God says you are. And the Lord tells you, you are more than a conqueror. The Lord tells you he would make you the head and not the tail. The Lord tells you that the enemy may come in against you one way, but he'll go out seven ways. That's who God says you are. You know, the Bible says you tread on serpents and scorpions. Jesus said that of us, right? It's my buddy Brian Kinsey who said it hit him one day. Serpents bite with their head. Scorpions sting with their tails. Heads or tails, we still win. I just want you to get this mindset to get up in the morning and start confessing some good things. I'm a child of God. The power of God rests on my life. I've got the name of Jesus in my mouth. There's no weapon formed against me can prosper. Hell, you've got no chance at conquering me today. Oh, you might make it tough. I may be weak, but I'm still anointed. Several years ago when I was pastoring, uh, I had, a, I had a pastor come in my office from our community, not an apostolic, good man, but just a pastor of a, of a church. And he was my friend. We, we connected a little bit. and He came in, and he sat down, and he said, well, i tell you, Scott, he said, he said, I hope the Lord comes soon. I said, well, I hope he does right after I baptize you in Jesus' name. <laughs> we had a relationship where I could do that. He said, um, he said, well, if he doesn't come soon, I don't know what we're going to do. I said, well, I'm going to baptize you in Jesus' name. But his response to me, I, I said, I don't, I don't understand what you said. We're going to reach the lost. We're going we're to see addictions broken. We're going to see bodies healed. We're going to see people born again. His answer went something. This is a, almost a direct quote. It went something like this. but, 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 but the devil. And I just looked back at him and I said, but 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 Jesus He said, Oh, but Scott, he said, Don't you understand? The devil is getting bigger every day. Yeah. He said, No, he's getting stronger. He's 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 worse today than he's getting bigger and badder and stronger every day. I said, This is an unusual critter that can get his head stomped so hard at the empty tomb that Jesus bruised his own heel, left a gaping wound in his head, and after 2,000 years with no medical attention and no days off, he's stronger now than he was then. He said, I've got Bible for it. I said, in my Bible? He said, absolutely. I said, man, you're going to have to show me that verse. I ain't never seen that devil getting bigger verse. He said, I'll show you. He said, in Genesis, what does he show himself as? Said, well, he's, he's, he's a serpent, right? He said, but by time Peter writes about him in the New Testament, what is he? Well, he's he's a lion, see? Then he said, and by time John writes about him in Revelation, what is he? Well, he's, 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 he's a dragon, see? Through the Bible, he goes from being a serpent to being a lion to being a dragon. He's getting bigger all the time. It would have been sad if it wasn't so funny, and funny if it wasn't so sad. But I looked at him, I said, do you have a Bible with you? He said, no. I said, I'm not terribly surprised by that fact. Would you reach onto the shelf behind you and get my Bible down? Because I want you to know I'm not making this up. This really is in the book. They will put it on the screen for me. I said, I want you to read Psalm 91 and verse 13 that says this. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and the adder. That's a snake. The young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under thy feet. I don't much care if he's a snake. I don't care if he's a lion. I don't care if he's a dragon. If you're what? If you're washed in the blood of Jesus, if you've got the power of the Holy Ghost, he can't defeat you. He can't take you down. No matter how you feel, you're still anointed. Somebody ought to celebrate that fact right now. I feel defeated, but I'm not defeated. I feel discouraged, but I'm not discouraged. I feel weak, but I'm not weak. I'm still strong because I'm still anointed. I may be confused, but I'm still anointed. I may be scared, but I'm still anointed. I may be sick, but I'm still anointed. I may be wondering what's next, but I'm still anointed. My home may be under attack, but I'm still anointed. My marriage may be under attack, but I'm still anointed. My kids may be going haywire, but I'm still anointed. My job may be shaky, but I'm still anointed. My bank account may be empty, but I'm still anointed. My health may be broken, but I'm still anointed. People may be talking about me, but I'm still anointed. (sighs) Hell may be laughing at me, but he won't be laughing because I'm just going to keep serving God and I'm going to keep living in the strength of the Holy Ghost. I'm still anointed hell, you've got a problem because I've still got my praise and I've still got my song and I've still got my dance and I've still got my prayer and I've still got my church family and I've still got my pastor. I've still got the word and I've still got the spirit and everything's going to be all right. It's gonna be all right. It's gonna be all right. It's gonna be all right. and right. I'll finish here. I love it that, that, that David at least got this part right. He said, what, did you notice it? He said, I am this day weak. This isn't my permanent condition. This is just something I'm going through right now. I know it feels like a long day, and I know the enemy tries to tell you it's always going to be this way, but you listen to me a minute. Weeping may endure for the night, but the sun's going to come up tomorrow, and joy comes in the morning. This is just where I am right now. It's not where I'll be forever. And listen, listen, listen. If it's 70 years, if you live in this trial for 70 years, you do understand that compared to eternity, this is just an eye blink. There's nothing to this. This light affliction that we endure now, the Bible says, worketh for us a far more eternal weight of glory. Because no matter what you go through down here, you can make it. You can do it. You can keep going. Because there's a hope on the other side of this thing. I'm this day weak, but tomorrow I'll be all right. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's just, it's just temporary. It's just for now. It's just for a while, just for a while. But there are some things that are forever. Can I give you a quick list? Thank you. Like you had a choice. First Chronicles 1634, his mercy endureth forever. Psalm 111 and 3, His righteousness endureth forever. Psalm 111 and 10, His praise endureth forever. Psalm 117 and 2, The truth of the Lord endureth forever. Psalm 119, 160, Every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. Psalm 135, 13, Thy name, O Lord, endureth forever. 1 Peter 1:25, The word of the Lord endureth forever. My trial is just today, but tomorrow I'll still have his word. I'll still have his truth. I'll still have his mercy. I'll still have his righteousness. Satan, I will not quit in the middle of my today because tomorrow I'll still be here. He'll still be here. I can make it through this thing. I am this day weak. But I am anointed. I want you to stand with me today. I just wanted to bring a word of encouragement to somebody. I, I don't know you. The only two people in this room I know much at all besides my wife and mom are your pastor and his wife. I know some names and a few of it, but we're not, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know. But I know this. How you feel does not define who you are. If you don't remember anything else I said today, you need to get that down in your heart. How I feel it's not my identity. My identity is independent of how I feel. David said, man, I don't get it. If I'm a king, why am I weak? I want to get up next to him and say, hey, dude. That's a Hebrew word. You may be weak, but you're still the king. See, I want to come up beside you and say, you may be weak. I don't know what you're going through, sis. But life happens to us, doesn't it? But whatever you're going through, God still loves you. Your identity—you're still a child of God. I, I don't—I don't know what you may be battling, my brother, but I'm sure there's something we all—we all have it. And being saved doesn't exempt us from it. But when I get in those times and I feel, oh man, I feel beat up, but I'm still victorious. I feel weak, but I'm still strong. I feel like it's chaos, but I've still got peace. I, how I feel does not determine my identity. So I'm preaching to somebody today that's in the middle of a tough season. And and it happens, it happens. Could you, pl- hey, listen, 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 listen. Even the federal government has removed mask mandates. Surely in the church, we can get rid of our mask mandates. How you doing? Mask. Because we're scared to be honest enough, even with one another, to say, man, I'm having a tough week. Hell's trying to beat me to a bloody pulp. We're scared to say that like somehow see that's that old thinking well I must have done something wrong if I'm feeling this way no you just your heart kept beating that's why you feel this way because it happens to every one of us and if there's any place we ought to be able to be honest and safe it's here if there's any place we able to be able to let our guard down and just say you know what I'm feeling rough this week but I'm still here and I still know who I am. That preacher told me that in spite of how I feel, I'm still a child of God. So hell, you got a problem on your hands because you can give me trials temporarily, but his truth endures forever. You, you you can make it even give me tears for today, but his mercy endures forever. So I'm going to make it. So I'm preaching to somebody today. They'll sing in a minute. I'm preaching to somebody today. And if you're just going through something right now, it doesn't mean you're backslid. Can we please take the mask off? doesn't mean you've done anything wrong. Life just happens. Day, listen, David had the oil of God poured on his head, anointed to be the king, but he was weak because of what had happened in his life. we got to be honest enough to just say, you know what, I need a little strength today. Well, i got good news for you. His strength is here today. Anybody, anybody witness to that? Anybody testify to that? Snake, lion, or dragon, he can't defeat you. He's under your feet right now. They're going to sing it. You just need God to give you a little strength today. You don't have to tell anybody what you're going through, but you just need God to give you a little strength. I wish you'd not even hesitate, but just come marching up to the front of this place boldly and say, God, I'm here today to just go on record. I know how I feel, but I know who I am, and I'm going to exercise my identity instead of wallowing in my feelings. I'm not going to be defeated by how I feel. I'm going to walk in the identity that God has given me. If you-